Welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Hi, I'm Rich Irani, and here we are at Rich in Life. Today, my guest, I have Kate McGuire. And I'm saying it like that, Kate McGuire, and it sounds Irish, but she's actually British. I don't know. I have to I have to work on my accents a little bit better. Anyway, get a hold of this. She's the chief conversion officer of converted, not gender. She doesn't try to convert gay people to being straight. She doesn't try to convert your religion. It's way more important than that. She tries to convert your closet. And how she does that is taking stuff that you own in your closet that you haven't worn that might have been so expensive that you bought for a wedding, for an engagement party, for a bar mitzvah, a, a, um, a christening, and it just sits there and you don't know what to do with it. And Kate is the expert on converting that into something more modern. She's all about sustainability, which we're going to get into because, you know, I always hear it a lot. Stella McCartney, sustainability, blah, blah, blah. How much sustainability can there be when she's coming out with a thousand pieces every three months? I mean, that's not sustainable, but we're going to get into it. So here we are with Kate McGuire. Hello, Rich. Very, very good to be here. Very nice. Oh, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come because I know that you're a busy woman. I, I love the. I love your what you're wearing. By the way, is that something you yourself converted in any way? Well, funnily enough, it is. Now that you ask, it is a, a vintage Carolina Herrera suit. It's a yellowy sort of a yellow orange woolen suit, and I bought it actually at a thrift shop in Southampton. And um, it was, you know, just like kind of very boxy and not very wearable. And I just did a bit of nip and tucking, bit of a conversion, and I'm rather happy with it now. Yeah, it looks fabulous. Uh, you took in the shoulders, I presume. You made I it narrower. You slimmed it. The collar. I like. I I just did this rearrange. Wait, say that again. What did you do with the collar? I just took the collar off. So now we have a kind of. It's not quite Mandarin, but it had a really nice. A, a sort of really nice couple of seams going into the neck. So I just took off the original, you know, classic lapels and refashioned it. So there's now a kind of a really nice, I think it's, you know, it's one of the things with conversion is that the clothes you convert actually dictate how, what happens to them. Do you know what I mean? Like the reason that this has got the neckline that it's got is because when I lifted the collar up, because having a regular collar with lapels doesn't suit me or my neck, I found this really interesting seam underneath. All I had to do was literally take the collar at a certain length. And then I got this very interesting neckline that actually I've never seen on a jacket before. Well, actually it looks great. I've seen it on Rick Owens. So what you did was almost like you took a Carolina Herrera that somebody might've given away or given it to a resale shop or just given it away to charity. And you made it look like, I mean, it is a couture piece anyway, but you, it looks just so much more modern. Yeah, well, Rick was copying me. Yes. Well, Rick is a thief. I've met Rick Owens and he's, yeah, he likes to steal from everybody else. But um, in any case, what made you start doing all of this? Re, re, um, yeah, because I know your yeah. thing is sustainability. I know your thing is also, um, you know, refabricating, converting clothing. I call them recycling. I've been doing it for many years, which I'll tell you about after. But how did you get started in doing that? I started doing it for fun, you know, way before I knew anything about sustainability. And honestly, I started Instagram where I was talking about the pieces that I was converting 
I did that purely for fun, not again, not knowing about sustainability. It was only when I put the two together a few years ago that I realized what I was doing was a massive part of the solution for the impact, the, the climatic Im impact that, um, you know, that the environment's suffering from at the moment. So before that, why wouldn't you? Now, it's interesting talking to you because you calling it recycling. I, I decided to call it converting because to me, upcycling doesn't sound very fashion. I don't really want to wear something upcycled. It sounds like I yanked it up from below. So, but let's not forget it was once a bit, you know, rubbish and it had to be moved up. And then I had to cycle it up. And my little eight-year-old says to me, you know, mum, mummy, upcycling sounds like such hard work. And I'm like, <laughs> God, it does. I don't want to wear something that used to be rubbish that I'm remembering that you, uh, hard work to make it look good. Conversion sounds like it came in laterally. There's no moral judgment. It just was that. And now it's this. And I just feel like that has a lot more appeal. It's more I think you're right. I think saying that I converted it from something to another is definitely maybe more appealing than recycling. When you hear recycling, it sounds like maybe you're settling. Or the bins, right? Do you not right. think recycling bin or right. whatever, trash can, what you call it? Right. But you know, that's not what we're talking about because I know that you recycle. I mean, aside from Dior, aside from um, Chanel and Balenciaga or any of these um, designers that have had clothes for decades, you would also recycle a Pierre Cardin, you, a, a Claude Montana, a Jean-Paul Gaultier. I mean, these designers don't exist anymore. And, you know, if you found something from, let's say, Gautier from 20 or 30 years ago, I'm sure you'd probably, I, I don't know, Gautier might still make clothes, but I don't know. But I'm sure if you found pieces from uh, decades ago, you would probably know what to do with them. Well, I think I think there's um, raising some interesting points. And, and by the way, I also convert Zara. I, I Listen, I, just so you know, I raise a lot of interesting points. I'm brilliant. <laughs> just so you know okay i'm sorry continue so yes you bombarding <laughs> me with brilliance so now i'm like oh which one do i choose yeah i'm I, so brilliant I, that's why i'm doing this podcast yeah well i'm i'm not, and i'm so brilliant as well which is why i'm on it so brilliant <laughs> i i feel like um but i love what you just said that you recycle zara because i kind of do the same thing i recycle tom brown clothing and then i'll go to h&m and buy the stretch khakis and have them taken in i add a crotch and yeah. then i sneakily do it to brad's clothing too when he has no idea so i, I totally get it so how elaborate not, what, what what are you talking about how can he not <laughs> what do you hang on first of all when you say you add a crotch let's okay. just back a bit reverse okay explain I will explain. When Rick Owens and the whole drop crotch thing started uh, to be in fashion, I did buy a few pieces of the drop crotch. And then I realized that it was really a lot of look. It was a very severe look. So, you know, I didn't wear them as much. And then I went to my tailor and I asked him, is there a way we can take the pants that I already own that I love? The shape is great. And just make drop the crotch a little. He said, yes. He cuts something from the hem or from inside. And he adds, it looks like an actually a half moon. And he just puts it right at the crotch. So it just softens up the crotch. It doesn't look like your John Travolta, you know, from Saturday Night Live Fever, where, you know, it hugs the, the crotch. It just drapes down and it kind of gives the look and it just seems more modern. So I started to do that to all my pants. And before I knew it, I started doing it to Brad's pants. And I don't even think he knew. And if he did, he couldn't care less. Secretly, 
So you like take his, you take his pants and then secretly get the half moon out and pop them back in the wardrobe and he didn't even notice. He didn't even notice. I've even narrowed his pants because uh, he, some of his pants were too wide, but he got them uh, through a big designer at the time, Mario Sorbo, when he was modeling for him in Milan. And you know, Brad doesn't like to change a thing. So mm -hmm. if like that designer gave him that suit the way it is, even though the shoulders were like, you know, I don't know, very wide. It was like, no, that's the designer. And that's not my thing. Me and you are cut from the complete opposite of cloth. We redesign designers even, and we redesign Zara. So what I would do is take an old pair, a pair that I bought with him, not actually an old pair, a new pair that I had bought with him. And I take the old ones and have him copy the shape of the pan. Wow. So I would narrow his stuff. So, but yeah, but all that controlling stuff ended with the kids. Now I'm just, you know, now I'm just bitter and no, resentful of everything. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you know what you're you're you really are though on your brilliance. Um, this the, the 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 thing is right. You're you're saying something really important here. A, a lot of I would say the vast majority of people when they buy a designer garment, they assume that they should fit that like that garment is gold and they should fit into it right because it was made by a designer. It's the right. It's it's designed in this way. It's got big shoulders. Whatever it's got, it's got to look good on me. And we forget that each garment is made in a certain size, that that size has to cater from, for every body shape from five foot to six foot within the vicinity of that one size. And how on earth can we expect these pieces to suit everybody? It's, it's nuts. And we go into a changing room, we put it on, it doesn't work, it doesn't fit. And who feels bad? Who comes off badly? We do. Well, what's wrong? Oh my God, it doesn't fit me. Oh my God, I've gone up. You know, all this kind of, this this weird self-talk that we do in relation to an inanimate object of which the, the sizing has been decided by God knows who. Right. And it's but wait, I'm sorry to cut you off, but isn't it true that most designers do cut their clothes for the models? So if you get someone who's 5'2 or 5'3 and maybe a size 6, it's not going to fit the same way. Mm. I, I, I I wholeheartedly agree. And I mean, that's they, what you're saying. And that's actually what you're saying. Yeah, they're doing it. They're, they're, they're cutting it for a particular body shape. And there are a myriad of different body shapes within these size ranges. So the point of conversion is, is to, there's two things really. I think in order for, to feel really comfortable in the garment and have it look its best on you, it needs to fit. Fit is critical. So the chances are whatever you buy off the peg, will not fit you well. Like it's much more likely to not fit you than fit you. So you then, you, you can work with your tailor or your dressmaker, whatever. You just, and actually, you know, your own eye. What do you feel comfortable in? Is it hugging your waist where you want it to? Are the shoulders in the right place? You know, are they stretched? Do you need a bit more fabric in here because maybe you've got a small waist and wider shoulders or other way around? Anything can be done as you found yourself with your inserting that half moon. I mean, that's correct. I'm, I'm loving your, I'm, we'll have to swap numbers afterwards because that guy is brilliant. But that that's a classic example. So you make it fit, first of all, you are then going to feel confident because you're wearing a bespoke piece, right? That fits you. And then you, you figure out what your unique style is. And I think a lot of people have an edge, right? Everybody has, I feel like they have a natural edge that they'll go to. And then they have this imaginary edge, which is who they would really like to be. Like, oh, I, this is who I really am, but I'm never gonna go there because that's a bit scary. And I think that conversion allows you to explore and push your own boundaries 
in, in a way that you feel comfortable. So you can take elements of a design, like even like a simple thing, like taking a piece of colorful ribbon or a stripe and adding it, you know, down the side of a jacket or along a, a lapel. And you just get your dressmaker to do that. You go to the shop, you choose the ribbon, you match it, the dressmaker does it. That, it revolutionizes your garment and you did it. It's your style. How many people will compliment you on that piece? You know, you can guarantee people will compliment you. And what's even more important is how you feel about it yourself. And you, if you have creative input into a piece, you are guaranteed to love it more, wear it more, value more. And that ultimately is a really sustainable practice. So that is so interesting. And I love it because I'm going to tell you a story. I mean, I used to have a lot of um, black tie affairs to where, you know, I'd have to wear a tuxedo and, you know, the shapes change. And I remember one year I was in a dilemma of, I had a few weddings coming up. I think it was my nieces even, and I couldn't find a black tuxedo that I loved. Everything was either too fussy, too expensive. I found a black suit that I loved with very slim shoulders, kind of like with a 60s vibe, but it was a suit. And I added the grow grain where I wanted to add it. And wow. I made it into a tuxedo, a regular black suit. I made into a tuxedo, which probably cost a third or fourth of what I probably would have spent had I really, you know, set out to buy a tuxedo that I wanted. Yeah, well, that that's brilliant. And this is what, this is what, you know, I think this is really important to share with listeners. How easy, once you decided, okay, first of all, you recognize that, you know, a, a tux has grow grain on it. How easy was it for you to go and get the grow grain? Oh my goodness. It was so easy to get it. And not only that, I, I forgot where I went. It was so long ago. Um, I went, it was Herman. It was down in like the thirties or forties. You just Google the best fabric stores. And I got the most expensive, the thickest one they use that Lanvin uses the most expensive, beautiful grow grain. And what does it cost? $7 a yard. I mean, for the most expensive one, it's nothing. You buy three, four, five, ten 10 yards, you know, exactly. just in case, you know, exactly. And right. I mean, so you could have, you could go off piece. You could put a Navy, grow grain on you could put a navy grow grain and like a thinner grow grain stripe down the side of your pants to go with it you know and you're wearing a, a navy velvet bow tie and you know that it's so easy people just don't think to do it and that's partly what my mission is it's to raise awareness of the fact that we all have a lot of clothes sitting in our wardrobes that are not being worn and they can be inexpensive clothes they can be expensive but the chances are with a little bit of conversion, you could be wearing those clothes a lot more and really enjoying them rather than going out and buying new piece after new piece that again, maybe it may work, may not work, or you know, you go out of fashion. You've probably got stuff in your wardrobe that's just not fashionable anymore. It just doesn't feel very now and you want something fresh. But the fabric is great. The fabric's fabulous. So you don't need to go out and buy something new. You need to convert what you've got and even join pieces together. Take the sleeves off one thing, put them onto another, cut your coats off into little jackets, just completely change the shape. Like you said, add the grow grain, add the ribbons, change the buttons. And you've got a completely brilliant, totally unique bespoke piece that no one else will have. It's cooler. So is this where the sustainability comes in? I want you to explain to our audience what exactly people mean when they say sustainability in fashion? You know, I get what sustainability means in, in, in life and the way we live and not using plastic and, you know, watching how much garbage we put out there. But what does it mean when it comes to fashion and sustainability? 
that's a good question. So the way that f fashion is in, in really um, environmentally impactful um, in not a good way um, because of actually the whole process, the making of it is detrimental to the environment that in, in uses waste. Well, I mean, no, so you've got water, um, chemicals, just the way we produce our fashion. Then you have the supply chain, you have the distribution, so all the, the carbon impact, but you've got, I mean, just literally, if you, if you take, I mean, there's this great analogy, actually, if you think about genes. So I think it takes a 1600, I wanna say, 1600 gallons of water to produce one pair of genes. And that's the equivalent that you or I would drink over a five year period of our lives. Like what? That to yeah, make I mean, one pair of genes and how many pairs of genes do we all have? That, that, so you can imagine the enormous amount and that's chemicals as well. That's not just water, that's water, chemicals and all the rest right and we're producing a hundred billion garments a year and there are seven and a half billion of them of us so there's a, you know we're overproducing this stuff which we're having to sack the planet to do and pollute the planet and then at the other end of the spectrum because there are only a much smaller number of us than, than garments being produced the garments have to be disposed of. People value the waste more. I, I spoke to a woman in Italy, actually, who is designing a, a whole range. And she said that literally they're picking up dead stock fabric for nothing because it's cheaper for them to give it away than have it incinerated. And they just want the space. They don't want the fabric. It's, it's over, it's last season. And, and so think about the amount of waste. Where do we put that stuff? So what? it's funny you say that. That's exactly how I feel all the time about everything. Where is all this garbage going? Yeah. I mean, I had- Where do you um, think it goes? Where do I you had think Stephanie say, I don't know, where does it go? It goes I, into landfill or it gets Exactly. Oh, so I had Stephanie Safarian from the Mommy Minimalist. Is that what it is, Brad? And she diagnosed me as eco-anxiety. I have eco-anxiety because, I, you know, I have things from the kids that they've outgrown. Some of it, you know, is underwear. And I'm like, I just hold on to it. What do I do with it? You can't give underwear away. You have to throw it in the garbage. But yet I'm so, it's like I get anxiety just throwing things into the garbage. And like you said before, there's so much product out there at every price point from every part of the country. Where is all this going? There's not enough people in the world to wear this and to buy this, even if they wore a different outfit every day. So, right. so, so that's part of what sustainability is, including the materials, correct? Including the kind of materials that they use. Yeah. So it's, it's the production and then it's the disposal. So think about both ends of the spectrum. It, it's environmentally damaging to make it and it's damaging to dispose of it and, and it goes and, and it's just you know there are massive things we can do to prevent it and by the way you know a lot of people I think relieve their eco-anxiety by giving things they're not wearing to charity and there's a stat out there that says two percent of what we give to charity actually gets sold the rest of it gets either incinerated or it gets shipped off to other countries and you know and it becomes rags and and then what happens it eventually it you know and there are pie, there are these massive container ships piled high with clothing traveling all over the seas right now you know it's just and every single second like this every single second one container load or truckload of clothing is being dumped into landfill every single second See, that to me yeah. is heartbreaking. Mm. 
So the bigger question, so the bigger question is this, do you think if people were more aware of sustainability and tried to um, convert the clothes they have and were more aware of shopping? In other words, I know so many people because we didn't get into the cost yet of how much people should spend if they are converting clothing. You know, some people I know my own, you know, members of my own family will say, oh, I'm not spending $100 to redo the dress. I'll go out and get another dress. But yet you can go out and get another dress that is, you know, made in China in a cheaper material. Material. Meanwhile, the dress you have is a couture piece. You can convert that and, and make it your own and have it, like you said, bespoke to your body. So we didn't even- podcast over. You've done my job. Yeah. Uh, I said it for you. You did. I mean, that honestly, this music to my ears. Yeah, you may well ask, why aren't we doing that? i tell you why we're not doing it, Rich, because it's not, it doesn't come to mind. We're not seeing other people doing it. What we're, we're always thinking of the path of least resistance. What's the easiest thing? And it's easier. It just doesn't even come into most people's heads to convert the clothes they've got. Because well, for whatever reason, I want to make that more of a kind of mainstream alternative. At the okay, moment, so, you're just saying, okay, I want something new. I'm going shopping. So can we give people permission you know, because I know some people might be thinking, well, I don't want to spend the money. Maybe, you know, I don't want to use the word cheap, but I will. Let's just say people are being cheap and they don't want to give their tailor, you know, 100 or $200 to refurbish a dress or a gown or a suit. Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you want to give them permission, tell them you're better off doing that and having that suit fit your waist under your arm, your shoulders perfectly in that fantastic fabric that you already own than going out and buying something brand new that you're going to wind up feeling the same way about in six months from now. A hundred percent. And I think to add even more to that, I would say that what you don't realize by going out and buying something, we all suffer from consumer anxiety, right? You gain this. It's all about how we feel just to, to, to backtrack. It's what we wear and what we experience when we're all about is we're all doing it to make us feel a certain way. You can get, a whole extra chunk of feel good from doing the right thing and honestly being part of the sustainable movement, which is cooler, but also like you said, making it completely unique. It feels way more satisfying to do something like that than it does to go and score a new dress at Zara. I mean, like off the charts. So let's just say, you know, 30% of the population decided to do that. Do you think we'd actually have less um, merchandise Oh, in the world it would, be, it would radically change yeah that you know, i'm really not change. wishing people go out of business but i mean i think there is an absolute overabundance of stuff i think some stuff just needs to go i think things need to be you know harder to get well i think a lot of it's happening at the fast fashion end so what's happening is that clothing is becoming too cheap that's why people do it it's cheaper you know it's like it's too easy to go and buy it so that's in my opinion the end of the spectrum that really needs to be addressed first, like this fast disposable fashion. Yes. And, and you look at Gen Z, you know, they don't want fast disposable fashion now. They're voting with their feet. They want sustainable products. So people like H&M are having to respond to that and create, you know, sustainable campaigns and make, they've got fantastic goals. They want to be, you know, all their cotton be organic cotton by like 2025 or whatever it is. You know, this is all great. And, and they're having to do that and to respond to the market and consumers. And the consumer sentiment is changing, as you said at the beginning, because of awareness. So you can see how this is happening. 
Right. And I think also the great part that people probably don't realize, too, is I, I don't know if you had a weight issue. I don't know if I read that. Is that correct? That you had you, you switched sizes and that's how you started um, converting your clothing. Is that yeah. true? I mean, I yeah, I discovered at quite a young age. I had um, I was a, a big yo-yo with my weight and I was sort of like 60 pounds heavier than I am now. And it was I found it distressing just because I, I didn't feel that I was presenting myself to the world. I didn't feel it was the me that I really feel that I am. And I also absolutely love clothes. And I just never felt that I looked the way I wanted to. So I discovered that with a tweak here and there, I could gain a lot of confidence because I would think that I was being viewed in a different way. To my mind, this bit was highlighted that I wanted to, to show off and this was being hidden. And so it gave me a real sense of empowerment. Like I was able to control what you were looking at because I tweaked my clothes to shape. So right. yeah, that was massive for me. So I think that for people that do fluctuate in weight, what they don't realize is buying something new is actually not the right way to go. The right way to go is take the stuff you already have and you know either put arms, put sleeves on it if you can, if you feel like, okay, maybe your arms are not good, or maybe take sleeves off if they're too puffy and you have great arms, cut the sleeves off. How do you feel about cutting a dress from a gown to a dress? What, what is your feeling on that? Okay, I was going to mention this actually because when you were saying to, saying earlier, oh, you know, you can you you would take like a Dior or whatever or an Opiek or Cardan, whatever it is, and refashion it. I I'm really discerning. Like I'm not just going to cut up vintage that's in perfect shape gratuitously. Right. If it's fabulous, it's fabulous. And I would always rather keep the integrity of the piece, but just tweak it to fit my body shape or whoever's body shape is wearing it. And by the way, that's what designers do all the time now. So that's fine. Historically, you know, vintage was cut in a slightly different way because our figures were different then. People tended to have smaller waists and bigger busts. And so you quite often get these difficult shapes to wear now and that they can easily be transformed. So I wouldn't just do it gratuitously. But if I had a, a wedding, like a, a wedding dress or a ball gown or whatever, I asked myself like, how would I, how am I going to really love this piece? Like I may love it as a ball gown, but how often am I actually going to wear that? If it was X and I've got a Pinterest board and I'm forever sticking pictures that I like of dresses, shirts, I get inspo all the time in my Pinterest board. I'll flick through Pinterest and I'm like, well, if that dress was that, I would be living and dying and eating and sleeping in that thing. But I haven't got that out of the wardrobe for three years. And actually, next time I go to a really fancy party, am I going to want to wear that or am I going to want something new? I'm going to want something new. So what am I going to do with that? I'm going to turn that into that. Then I'm going to love it. And then I get that amazing designer looking piece because I can tweak it to be mine, but it's based on that design. I can get that for like a snip of the price. I don't care whether it's designer or not. I actually quite like the fact that I thought of it and I did it. I'm more happy to talk about that at a party than, oh, it's Michael Kors or whoever it is. So that's like, what are you going to get the most satisfaction from, from those pieces in your wardrobe? And you have a lot of clients from what I understand that you help to do this with, correct? Well, I don't do, I'm, I'm an activist really, I think. And, and my job I feel like is to is to communicate the message. That's what I, I enjoy being the conduit. Okay, this is this is what you do. And I would like to show as many people as I can how to do it. I don't do it for people. 
I, I make films, so I use people as candidates, again, to show the process and to talk about the issues that they're having, and then I'll do conversions for them, but we'll film it and I'll use it as footage. Great, so if people have something in their closet, or not something, I'm sure people have many things in their closet, in the back of their closet, that they don't know what to do with, I would suggest, and if it's okay with you, for them to DM pictures to you, give them your um, Instagram handle where they can DM pictures of items that they have to see. Should they should they not is it something worth converting and how much money should they be spending on converting yeah. something yeah 100 percent. so i'm you find me at converted closet on instagram i have uh, videos on youtube as well but yeah for sure and the most important thing is to send a photo of yourself in it like people send me pictures on on hangers and like this is the thing until you see a body in a garment, you, you don't, how can you convert it? Because it could be perfect. It might not be, it depends who's wearing it. So send the picture in and then we can talk about the options. And by the way, the other thing I think is really, a, a really cool thing to do. There's this book called A Fashionary, which I have, and we should communicate this actually, Rich, because they're so cool. It's basically a book with page after page of very, very faint, a trace of a model outline. And you can make that model your size. And all you do is draw what you've got on it. So you literally draw your dress, you know, when you're a kid and you're kind of, you can actually play around with that dress. Like, you Wait, can, is this an app you're talking about? No, it's not, I wanna bring out an app. I'm desperate to do You a should do that. App. I know, it'd be really cool. And you can get them now, can't you? Where you scan your body so you don't even need yes. to make it up. I, I want, the, want to do that, but this is just a drawing. It's like a drawing book and uh -huh. it's really easy. Anybody can do it. And you can literally play with your garments by drawing. You do not have to be a drawer. You can just, if, any, if you can hold a pencil, you can right. do it. You can do that. I find that people do, um, I find people are lazy when it comes to that. That seems like homework for a lot of people that I know. They'd rather just go out for the fun, you know, the, the, the five minutes of shopping, the high you get when, you know, the thrill of the hunt, when you think you have found something that's so great. But what people don't realize is again, three months, six months later, it winds up becoming exactly, you feel that same way about that item yeah. as the yeah. stuff you already have in your closet. Yeah. Okay, so here's an alternative. Yes. Another thing you can do, think about the, the resale market. So the secondhand market, especially secondhand luxury, it's overtaking the primary market, you know, by loads. It's going to be worth, I think, 24, 26 billion in, by 2025, they're projected. Um, and the primary market is not going to be worth that much. So it's just, it's incredible, the growth rate. I guess I think it's like 120% growth compared to normal. And... So think about those sites, like you've got the real, real, you've got Tracy, you've got Poshmark. You can still get this enormous hit that you're seeking by buying something secondhand. And if you can buy, don't just think about buying your size ever. Look across all sizes. Think if it's smaller, you can make it bigger. If it's bigger, you can make it smaller. I always buy things bigger because I want the extra fabric. And you can get this great hit buying a piece that you absolutely love that's much less expensive than buying it new and then you can convert it that's, that's a fun hit that's brilliant and i'm using your uk slang that's brilliant because i want people to take that away from this is that if you are looking at vintage clothing don't look at your size look at yours look at any size if you find a beautiful brocade or crochet you can take it to a tailor and ha and do what you want with it you have all that extra fabric you can tailor it the way you want it done and and if you're a, a i want to that's a very rude word came into my head then if you're a design if you're a designer lover 
there we are. That's less aggressive. A designer <laughs> lover, a brand lover, you can go onto those websites and search low to high, right? That is my top tip. You go on, you put your favorite brand in. Oh my God, you go into the real real and you put Prada in. It starts at 35 bucks. And you've got like all this stuff you have to go through, you know. So you're it. saying to actually filter it and start from low to high. Oh, yeah. You may find the chances of you finding stuff on the lower end is is extremely uh, probable. You don't it's need to start at the high. Probable. And think about joining pieces together as well. Because you don't have to look at size. We already established. You're no. not looking at your size, so it doesn't matter. So no. like a weird size might be going for a lot yeah. less than that's oh, so interesting. 100% they do. So tell me, what brought you from the UK to New York City, actually? My New Yorker husband, Rich. We've been, been yeah, we've been married for 10 years, and he'd been in the UK for a long time, and we'd always planned on coming over here. And I have uh, grandparents who lived in Florida, actually, for 12 years when I was younger. So I've always felt this very strong affinity to the States, and, it, you know, it's kind of part of who I am really, my American grandparents. With my, my grandma had this fantastic blue hair and she came back with, and my grandfather came back with one of those, you know, what are those ties, like those cowboy ties? Bolo. And I cannot tell you, like these are really English people and they like walked out of Florida. <laughs> out of hair. Texas, they look like they came out of Texas. Oh yeah, they did. And <laughs> that was them, like defined forever. So I've got that in my blood. I'm not sure that's a great thing, but yeah. So I, I love it. I mean, I, it's really weird as well. I moved in the middle of a pandemic, the pandemic. Right. I know you, I, I forgot you told me that. How crazy was that, that you moved in the middle of the pandemic from London to New York city? It, it like bonkers, but we'd sold our house in the UK and, and we actually lost our buyer and then they came back and we were like, Wah, take the money and run and we, we came over here we, we already had a, a property organized but you know it was interesting because there was this wave the first wave in the UK when that first wave after it happened everyone really started to relax and of course that didn't bode well for the UK because then the second wave was even bigger in New York there was it was a different approach I remember when we first arrived here everyone was wearing masks like I remember someone shouting at the street at me when I was standing outside my apartment and they were unloading the, the furniture. And I was, and, and someone was like, where's your mask? And I was like, what? Like, this, you, what, I'm standing on my life? You and should have just very politely told them in your British accent to fuck off. Tell them it's my body, my <laughs> choice. Do you know what? It's really hard, isn't it? Because I, I actually- I think I, that I, phrase, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think that phrase, my body, my choice, only refers is only applicable if you want to kill a baby i don't think it refers to anything else i think it's only if you're going to kill a fetus is is where that is applicable brad's cringing sorry brad is cringing from that from that very uh, bold statement yeah i'm cringing with you but can I you tell me some differences between the uk the way they dress and and uh, not recycle convert are they more into the conversion because i do find in europe and um well, I told you, I think, uh, on the phone briefly that when I was in Paris, I noticed, and I'm going back 15, 20 years ago, we were at a hotel and they were using faxes, I think, at that time. So it might have even been more than 15 years ago, maybe 25 years ago. I don't remember. When I first started, I was in this really fancy hotel and they were getting faxes in and then they were using the same paper to turn the paper over and reuse them. They were so conscious of everything that they were using. They weren't just tossing things in the garbage. Mm -hmm. So I found that, um, I found Europe to be very good with that. Are they still as mindful as, as that? I would Particularly say, in the UK. 
Yeah, well, I'd say without a shadow of doubt that Europe, that Europe is more aware of the, you know, the sustainable impact. Um, you've got lots of organizations there, like the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. You've got the Copenhagen Fashion Summit, for starters. I mean, everybody comes there from all over the world. Um, so I do think that. And I think some pockets of Europe are even more ahead than others, like Copenhagen. Um, but the, the UK is definitely doing well. I think, it, for me, it's also a question of how comfortable are people with wearing secondhand and, and thrift shopping because that's going to be a big part of the solution and when I first met my husband and I you know I was like well I'm just going to go shopping and I'm going to go thrifting and I'm gonna, I'm wearing oh yeah this used to be someone else's I remember he was literally horrified it was almost like what what like you know right. I look like you know very well dressed I could keep up with the best dressed women in the world like you you'd think that I was but nothing I buy is new I doesn't doesn't make me feel comfortable to do that and actually I just find it a little bit unoriginal as well so he had this attitude of like oh my god you know for him it would be like a sign of just just being poor yeah a little bit and just it's also yeah. dirty I think there's just this and I've come across a few Americans who, who've still got this sort of attitude of it's like, oh, it's been warm before. That's unhygienic. There's a big thing in America. Oh, come on. No, no, Europe definitely, definitely doesn't have that, that same obsession with hygiene that America does. I'm not kidding. But it's, we're coming it's with funny. that transcript. Yeah, I did. It's funny because I used to go to thrift stores like Screaming Mimi's, Patricia Fields, and all these other fabulous ones in New York City. And I remember seeing um, people that I knew um, from Dolce & Gabbana that were, you know, some, they were in the team of designers and, you know, I, I don't know exactly what their position or what their title was, but I remember meeting them in Milan when I'd go buying and I'd suddenly see these young guys shopping in, in these vintage stores. And I didn't realize, I thought they were shopping for themselves. It turns out they weren't, they were shopping to take back to Dolce & Gabbana and they were redoing, which he did. I, I know he did all these wool polo shirts, you know, that were $600 at the time. I was buying them for 25 or $60 from the vintage stores. Granted, they were not the best fabrics, but they had, you know, these cool collars and the stripe and, you know, very sixties feeling and they would take them back. And I, and that's when I realized how much these designers rely on thrift clothing. So how do we um, how do we get rid of the stigma of secondhand clothes? Maybe we don't call it secondhand clothing. Maybe we just call it I don't know what what, what can we call it? Some people call it pre-loved. I think we just have to get over ourselves and, and over. what it's called. I, and I do think that as we become more aware of the environment and the impact, people that it's like every, for me. I use the word cool quite a lot and I've realized that and I think I overuse it. So I'm, I'm trying not to, but for the purpose of this, I want to use it because I really believe that that drives so much. It drives the fashion industry. It's like, it's always the latest. It's the cool, it's the edge. Like, what is it that we're looking for? And I really believe, and this is definitely true of Europe now. And that's why I think America is slightly behind the curve when it comes to this issue of sustainability, because sustainability is becoming cool it's becoming cooler the coolest thing to do louis vuitton you know when you when, when firms like that start launching upcycle collections you know the worm is turning everybody's doing it now you know dolce has done it obviously stella's been doing it you know for years but all these big brands that you're not expecting to see are getting involved in the upcycling so sustainability is being given this you know really prestigious 
fiction. And I think that is going to change the way people think and buy. And part of that is the idea of wearing secondhand. I'll tell you a good example. I was on the Upper East Side. It's quite funny. Having dinner. And there was a table in front of us, a circular table and two couples. And the woman with her back to me, I could see her very well dressed. I think one of them was a doctor. I obviously completely eavesdropping in their conversation. The woman <laughs> had a back to me. She was wearing a dress. They, they were obviously very wealthy couples. She had a real, real label hanging out of the back of her dress. <laughs> Literally, I was just like, I felt two things. I felt yeah. like, good for you. And then I thought, mm, <laughs> I hope you're going to actually keep that and cut it Wait, out. Wait, was it, was it a paper label, the tag? It was like a or paper was it a label? But it just, I just thought, wow. I bet she's the type of lady that would normally buy everything new and wear it. But she's cotton onto the fact that she can wear something from the real, real that's half the price and it's secondhand, but who cares? Cause it looks new. You know, that's, that's different. Okay. So we're going to give people a great idea right now. We are going to advise people to at least, if you're not going to buy, why don't you look at places like The Real Real, like Poshmark. See if you find anything that catches your eye, even if it's a fabric or, you know, um, what are those big things called? Like it's like a tent. Caftan. Caftan, right. And just if you like it, buy it. It doesn't have to be your size or your style. You do something with it. You make a cape with it. You can do something with it. And that's a way of, you know, not only keeping busy and, you know, using your mind and, you know, being creative, but you're also kind of saving the planet and you're wind up wearing bespoke. Like you said, you wind up wearing fitted, beautiful stuff. Listen, when I used to buy clothes, when I used to buy uh, shirts at Zara, I would buy shirts at Zara and I'd literally take them to my tailor. He would take in the arms, under the arm, the back. It, it wasn't a Zara shirt anymore. People would always ask me where I got the shirt from. And I would always tell them, Zara. I mean, I didn't tell them. I spent, you know, probably 80 bucks altering no. it. But I'm sure those poor people were probably looking, combing the store for three hours trying to find the damn shirt, which they never found. But, uh, you know, it's all about that. And you can do it with Couture and you can do it with um, Zara. You can do it with H&M. And that's the beauty about it. And that's where you come in. And I love your activism. And I thank you for coming on and sharing it with us. Rich, also, you know, you've got to take credit because that's that's like leading edge. And, and it's so interesting to me. And I think this is a really, really powerful. You're doing it because you want a certain look, like you want everything fitted well and you want to look sharp. You're not, honestly, you were not doing this for sustainability, right? You're just doing it because you just wanted to look right. Yes. If they but, told me that if I wore something that would destroy the entire world, but it looked good on me, I'd probably wear it. No, I'm kidding. Right? I'm not that terrible. <laughs> only, only just not that terrible. <laughs> but it's, it's really interesting because who knew? I did it for fun as well. I did it because we can get the best clothes. I, 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 my clothes are the clothes I get and I convert. I, I feel like they're absolutely fantastic. Like I know designers would fall over themselves and, and just be like, oh my God, well, actually I wore something to one of Stella's shows in um, Paris a couple of years ago. And I talked to her afterwards and she was like, oh my God, I want what you're wearing, you know? And I said, this is like a zero waste thing. And, and so it, it, we're doing it, we're doing it because it's, because we can produce beautiful, fantastic, bespoke, unique clothes that don't cost as much and happen to be the most sustainable thing we can be doing. Like, 
that how can that not be a winning combination? There's no downside. I agree. There's no downside. I want to, I want you to tell people about the 80-20 rule because that made me feel a lot better because sometimes I do take things and I actually ruin them and they wind up, you know, having to go to just a secondhand store, just like, you know, um, you know, what is it called? Those, um, the army thing. You know, oh yeah. You know that just I just you know, either throw it out or give it away, you know, to one of these places because I ruin them. So, but you said, Rich, don't feel bad. There is an eighty twenty rule. Explain it to the people. The eighty twenty rule, which also gives people permission to fuck up sometimes. Yeah. Well, God knows if if we don't all do that, and I apply that to every single area of my life. By the way, if 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 I do like ruin something or it doesn't quite go my way in conversion, the great thing is there's always a garment that's smaller than the one I've converted, right? That I can make it into. There's like, and if, if it's a shirt, I mean, heaven forbid, I haven't actually, you know, managed to ruin a shirt, but I could easily, then there's a whole load of fabric in that shirt I can use. I can use it to create new sleeves for a different shirt. Like I can, I can create. So it's never, I've never actually, throw anything away if I can possibly, possibly help it. But the 80 rule is basically for people like you and I, self-confessed, complete control freaks to the point where it actually gets painful because yes. when something doesn't go our way. And we, we had, we've had this conversation about aesthetics. Like it, it's, and it's part of, it's part of why we're good at what we do because we yes, have- Yes, but I love when you told me that your son wore a uh, uh, a basketball jersey or I don't know, an athletic jersey and you couldn't take it. And we are, Brad doesn't really care as much, but when my son tells me he wants a basketball jersey, I just, uh, I, my anxiety starts. I, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that. I get it for him. Well, you 80% of the time, it's gonna it's gonna be great, right? It's gonna be really fantastic. Twenty percent of the time, it's not. And when it doesn't go right for me, I've got that. There's got to be something I can tell myself to soothe myself. And if I've always got that margin to fall, like okay, that's going into the twenty bucket. That's going into. The, it it just makes everything a lot easier. Like I just have to have maybe a more defined degree of acceptance or a defined way of accepting things than other people because. I, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but you told me, okay, so there's this basketball jersey thing, but what about what about the collars on your daughter's dresses? Tell I know, we, we, we spoke about that, which is funny. Um, I, I would go to Paris a lot for the shows and there was a store there and I forgot what the name of it was. It was like a, a food store. It had the um, designer of Bonpoint moved and was the uh, designer for this grocery store. It was like kind of a Zara. They sold clothing in a grocery store. So I'd come home with tons of beautiful clothing, you know, Parisian made, some of them were even made in Paris with the little French collars. And I'd buy so many of them and she would wear them. One day she goes to school and she comes home and she's like, no more collars. I'm like, what do you mean no more collars? You know, in my head, I'm thinking, bitch, you're wearing a collar, but I don't say that. I said, but my love, if you, we don't wear the collar, it's only a t-shirt, then you're wearing a t-shirt. She told me that that's what she wants. And I'm thinking, I know that's what her friends are doing. So what I did was I took all those collared shirts. I took them to the tailor. I removed the collars. This way we still had the beautiful buttons, the beautiful sleeves. And I kind of altered them and I got her to wear them. She didn't wear them as much as I liked her to do it. But I do. I even alter and spend money on my children's clothes. I do. Uh, and I, I honestly, and I just have to say this, I, I think it, it's fantastic 
that you did that on, on you know, a couple of levels. I mean, first of all, it's the right thing to do. You could easily have just gone, oh God, she doesn't want colour them, she's not going to wear them, I'm going to give them away. Uh, or, or charity or whatever. And, you know, as I said, you know, actually a very small amount of what you give away. So number one. But number two, I really feel like as a woman that, you know, it's really, really important to be heard around those things. And so many parents have issues with the, the way their kids, what their kids wear. And I, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful. I, I don't have a daughter in a way. I mean, I have stepdaughters and I don't try to dress them because that would just be an imposition. But if it was my daughter, I would, I, th I would find it physically excruciating. With my son, it's like, I have to, like, what am I going to do? The kid just will not, he, he literally only wants to wear tracksuits. I just, I, I, I have offered even to convert the tracksuits. Like, okay, Gus, you really like cars. What about we get like some really cool little embroidered cars or something, or we put some racing stripes down the side or we like really make it edgy car wise. And he looks at me like, no, mom, I just want like the Nike ones. Yep. Just, okay okay fine you know so you really listen to your daughter and, and that will impact your relationship with her she feels heard by her dad and i think that that is super super powerful i'm so proud of you for doing well, that well thank you i appreciate it because yes it will put me in the hospital if when she starts <laughs> really dressing you know i think in a way that i don't like you know i i don't like very and we I, I think you know we also had this conversation before about you know how i i don't mind on the runway when i see models are half naked you know they're half naked and they're down the runway with photographers with security with people around them protecting them and there's a huge difference between that and going let's say to central park or walking down fifth avenue and you know there's just uh, strangers there and people are walking half naked there's a huge difference you know i'm not a prude i love the fashion aspect of it but it needs to be translated into you know regular people walking on the street that are not getting paid you know whatever it is ten thousand dollars to walk for people to see their whole body you know i've never thought about that Think about it. That's how yeah. I think about it. I had a girl that worked for me, who beautiful girl. She was actually beautiful and she had beautiful boobs. And the reason why I know is because she always came with these really scooped out, you know, you know, t-shirts. Always. Right really now. Out. People who can't see, Rich right now is pulling open his shirt. To I'm pulling open my shirt to show my boobs, which is oh. not nearly like her boobs at all. It's nothing, obviously, but she had these beautiful bronze boobs and the crazy thing was in the freezing winter time, she would still come in, she'd take off her coat and she would, her boobs would be popped out and she'd have the heater on at hundred degrees and it's freezing. So now we're trying to sell shoes to these customers on the Upper East Side that are coming in with fur coats. They're coming in with fur coats and shearlings. They're sweating. I said, mm -hmm. you can't put the heat on. People are coming from outside. She's like, but um, what did she say? Uh, she said, but I'm hot. Um, I, or I'm cold. No, she's, she was cold. She was cold because she was naked. I said, but who are you doing this for? For who? The UPS man? For the customer? Who are you exposing your body for? Who? Would, uh, why are they so important to you for them to see your boobs? This is what I because, don't understand. Part, part of her identity and she feels that she's getting validated for them. And that's, that's you know, is that really what's going to bring her happiness? Probably not. But that, you know, yeah, you're, you're right. We're living in a society where you, you know, you walk down the street and a bus drives past and it's got somebody that's not wearing very much and 
everybody looks to her because she's pasted on the side of a bus as the ideal. So suddenly, you know, if you don't look like the ideal, you're less than, well, therefore I'm going to do everything I can to look like the ideal, regardless of what the ideal actually is or whether I like it. And there the story goes, right? So. Well, we have to save this for another show because that's a very important topic. I do have a lot of problems and being in the fashion industry, people always think that, you know, I'm, I'm cool with everything. I don't know if you saw the Oscars. Did you see the Oscars? Yeah. I mean, I don't watch it. I don't tune into it, but I just look at the pictures online. There was one girl wearing a, what was it, a Vera Wang Brad, the one with the gold cutout. It was a flimsy material. It was cut out on the side at the bottom and the slit was all the way up. And it was so sheer and so flimsy. What was it, metal? But it looked, it photographed awful. It looked so terrible. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. You know, it just, it, for who? For who? You know, it just doesn't make sense to me you that. Know, and I have to just quickly say this. So for me, it, it if you're going to wear something, like, okay, what, what was she trying to say? Because I'm sorry, but there are lots of people out there who are going to the Oscar who are going to have like really beautiful bodies. I think it's way more interesting and reflects who you are. If, if, if you're wearing something that's sort of a bit clever, it's like, how clever is it just to expose your body? Like, what are you trying to attract? I guess it depends on what you're trying to say and who you are, right? That's just, I don't want people to think of me to, to like sexualize me do you know what I mean right. I don't want to wear that because that's just not who I want I want you to see I want to feel like I'm interesting and thoughtful and you know potentially a bit you know quirky and original I guess that's it so she's trying to say something else but it speaks volumes right it's it in. speaks volumes yes but I do think do you remember our Jennifer Lopez and that dress that she wore I forgot who did it and many years ago she came on with uh, I forgot who it was some guy I don't, I don't remember but he said I can assure you this is one time I know nobody is looking at me. And Jennifer Lopez came out in this very revealing, but you know, I like her style. I think she was beautiful. So, but I feel that everyone is trying to mimic that moment that Jennifer Lopez had and um, you know, slits and yeah, I think it was Versace. Yes. And it was beautiful, but yeah, in any case, we have to save this for another top for another, um, for another show, because I think it's important we talk about, you know, what we think uh, young girls are being geared to, feel pressure to wear these days in order to get attention or feel accepted. So we're going to get into that, but I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much, Kate. And I want people to find you at converted closets. Look on Instagram. If you have any questions about anything you have in your closet, you know, I discussed already about recycling shoes. I told you I made, you know, closed toe pumps into open toe pumps when they were hot, you know, you did it with a round toe. You can't do it with a pointy toe, but I did it with a round toe. I've added ankle straps by going underneath. So there are so many ways to recycle. Just DM converted closets. You could even DM me, Rich in Life. And if you have anything, show us pictures with you in them and we'll, you know, give you our advice. And yeah. the advice might be just ship it over to us. Well, not me. I'm not going to wear the shoes, yeah. but I know Kate's going to be like, if she likes it, just send it to me. We'll take everything off your hands. <laughs> right, exactly. Absolutely. No questions asked. No, thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute honor. And I really enjoyed the conversation. And I, I think there's probably something else in there as well. I, I have so many things to talk about. But thanks again for making me feel so welcome in this beautiful city as well. Thank you. And I can't wait to see you at Central Park because I know we are neighbors. We didn't know before, but we are neighbors. We're just a couple of blocks away. So how crazy it is that we just found each other and live just a few blocks away. So we'll be over for dinner before you know it. Better be. <laughs> okay. All right. It's Thanks a pleasure. Bye. 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 Bye.
You've been listening to Rich in Life with Rich Arani. If you liked what you've heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Or visit us at richinlife.com. That's R-I-T-C-H in life.com.